A pirate's life is a life for me. How I long to live on the deep blue sea. But I never, ever, ever had a fear of the weather. And the weather ever, ever did a thing for me. Yeah! Welcome to Seize Life, a podcast for adventure-adoring hearts, go-getter dreamers, and loyal water seekers. We're a sailing couple who believe in a simpler life, one where community, love, and education are found on the water. This podcast is a collection of adventure stories, lessons learned, and laughs as we venture around the world. You can follow our journey visually on Instagram at Seize Life for Good or online through our blog at www.seaslifeforgood.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Sheena. How's everyone doing tonight? Wonderful. Wonderful. Cool. Well, we have a guest with us um, tonight, but before we hop into introducing Mysterious Max... I'm the guest. Yes. Nice man. Um, what did everybody do this week? What did you do this week, Sheena? Um, well, I've been kind of sick this week. I had a sinus infection, so tonight, tonight has been a little rough. You might hear my scratchy voice or a few coughs, but yeah, I've... I've wrote some articles, which was awesome. I got to watch my boyfriend surf. We did take a little surf trip. It was awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, I've just, I got to go to the market. And, oh, probably the best part of my week was taking my boyfriend's car to go and get the tire changed. And I'm just going to insert this quick little story in here real quick. I was sitting there waiting for my car. You know, he took his car back there and sitting there reading my book. And Amazing girlfriend. Uh, and the mechanic comes and, and, you know, he's like, Jeffers? I'm like, oh, that's me. And so I, you know, close my book and I'm like, what's, what's wrong with the car? And he was like, ma'am, you've got a titty in your tire. Oh, yeah? And I was like, what? And he said it again. He's like, you got a titty in your tire. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you saying titty? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you got a titty in your tire. You want to come and see it? And I'm like, all, all right. <laughs> I get, like, I guess. So while I'm following the mechanic back there and, like, dialing Ryan on my phone, because I'm like, he has to hear this. Like, he has to hear what is wrong with the tire, because I have no idea at this point, like, having a titty in your tire, like, how expensive is that? Like, what does that even mean? So I'm, like, secretly, like, dialing Ryan, and I hand the phone to the mechanic, and sure enough, he, he's like, hey, man, you got a titty in your tire. So here is what that means. What does it mean? There's apparently some kind of, like, chain that is in his tire, and it the chain broke. And so it creates a lump on the tire, and that is the logic they were following to say, you have a titty in your tire. Everybody's got titties. Yeah, so I was like, oh. Like, once he pointed it out, I was like, okay, great. So that's my, my little mechanic story of the week. That was probably one of the highlights of my week, because <laughs> I, now I'm never going to forget that. Good old country boys. Some good old country boys that, I mean, it was, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, you got a titty in your tire. <laughs> Super respectful. Yes. It wasn't a question of their... They were so respectful. But that is, like, that was the mechanical, like, the technical term for it. 
in their world. Industry-specific terminology. Yes, industry-specific. So we've got Max the man, as I like to call him. With oh, we're still going. Yeah, what did you do this week? I mean, I feel like you explained it all. I got barreled Hurricane Maria's off the coast, throwing some great waves. I feel very fortunate that we caught a little bit of down south. Yeah. Six mile post with some great friends, and um, yeah, got some great waves. Super big, thick, juicy barrels. Nice. Surf a little bit again today. Yeah. Yay. Max. I skated. I, I I got to skate a little bit, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I tore my pants and sewed them at work. It's nice. pretty. It's pretty uh, eventful. Nice. Things were broken down, so we were uh, we were bumping elbows. We got over that. We got through that. Nice couple of days. And now Max is an expert pizza maker. Let's. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind artist, of a big deal. Yeah, artist. Craftsman. Uh, creator of. Yeah. Champion. Yeah. Lord, Lord of. Oh, Lord uh, of. Okay. Artiste. Your emperor. Uh, at, at okay. Least. He throws dough. You may call me king. Bigger than people the size. Yeah. Gigantic. Oh, 15 feet around. Yeah. That's like seven feet across. Uh, no, shit, that's 21 feet around. Pizzas Huge like you've pizzas. never seen, Huge. ever. Billions Huge. and billions. I make a lot of And pizza. the pizzas are delicious. He makes a lot of pizza for a lot of people. And just... Well, for a long time, I've been practicing. He's been practicing, and he's great. The pizza's it's delicious. It's a goal. It was always a dream of mine to be able to spin pizzas. That's what he With does. the ferocity that I do. You do. Yeah. Such ferocity. And he has like a following. I gotta interrupt here. I gotta set the stage for Max. So I met Max. I used to live offshore drive. And saw him walking home one day after throwing pizzas, worn out, telling him about the boat and the 50 different projects I had going on at once and the one guy I was. And a little overwhelmed. He's like, man, I'd love to come out there and see what you got going on. And he has given so much of his mind and time and hands and man, he's just been such an instrumental help in getting us back in the water so much quicker than we ever would have been so much better than it would have been having his brain to bounce thoughts off of or knocking rudder bearings out refiberglassing doing all the through hauls all new shutoff valves running new plumbing a lot of work you got the anchor working you're the anchor magician we didn't have a working anchor that was windless we now do thanks to that man Many different things. Lights, we electrically. Couldn't be more thankful for Max in helping us to be where we are today, where we're You're welcome, yeah. guys. living our dreams. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. And I'm just going to tag in and say how amazing this is, because I was not a believer at first. You know, Ryan had told me, this is a huge boat. I'd seen the boat, of course, but like to him it was feeling even bigger and bigger and bigger the more that the projects lined up. and. Sure. He was just saying that he needs extra hands, he needs somebody out there. Um, I was working a full-time job at the time, so I couldn't be out there, and he just needed, he needed someone out there, and, uh, you know, he kept saying, I just need someone to be there with me, and I'm like, dude, I love you, but, like, nobody else is gonna volunteer their time and energy to go an hour away in the freezing cold and help you on this boat. I just did not believe it. And then here comes Max and Max arrives and he just, he was dedicated. He w he worked his tail 
off. And you so know, we would we would spend eight hours laying glass with our hands over top of our head. Yeah. And just be like cramp wise. We'd spend the night on the boat on the hard. Wake up the next morning, do another ten, and then drive back and be covered in fiberglass and. We learned to take cold showers before we had a hot tub at that time. It was what we would sit in, two men, mano a mano in the hot tub after laying fiberglass for two days. So nothing bonds like like good old fiberglass. Good old hot tub, hot water. Hot tub, you know, fiberglass. Relaxes the muscles, lets you stretch a little bit. It's refreshing, especially in the winter time. It's kind of funny to get out and all that steam come off of you. It's yeah. relaxing. It was, uh, it was kind of a ritual. Got that. Sh a lot of work done there. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh, you guys did so, so much. So much time has passed. It's, uh, it's incredible to see how far this thing's come. It's been on the water for a long time. Yeah, and that's why, that's why Max is here tonight because we're talking about dreams and what it takes to make dreams happen and the people that you need to make dreams happen. And we immediately thought about Max because he was, you know, on that front line. He came into this boat story while the boat was out of the water. He worked on this boat without even ever seeing it in the water once. And his faith in Ryan and in this project and in this dream has just been incredible. So before we dive into dreams, um, what, what were dreams like for you guys when you were growing up? How were dreams treated in your, you know, childhood in your home. I'll go first. Yeah. I, I think dreams, for me, I always learned how to dream with reason. So my parents always told me to dream. Of course, I wanted to be a ballerina, and they put me in ballet class, and they paid lots of money for me to go for from the age of four all the way to 18 in ballet class. But then when it came time to really start thinking about college or really making investments in, you know, future, my future, um, they, I had to be reasonable. I do not have the perfect ballerina body. I do not have the perfect ballerina flexibility. So I was able to make a career out of dance within my own understanding and abilities and everything like that. So mm -hmm. dreaming, I think, with, with reason and also research-based dreaming, I think. You know, how do you be successful with this dream? Go ahead and dream it, but then understand, you know, the parameters, the foundation, the research behind it. So that's how dreams were for me. What about you, Ryan? My parents always encouraged me to be a dreamer and told me that I could do anything I dreamed of, and I just had to put my mind to it and work really hard. And um, that was inspirational in me dreaming more outside of the box than I feel like some people do. And... Um, working really hard to try to make things happen. They never really put any limits on those dreams. And obviously, finances and the world we live in puts limits on it. So it's been instrumental in learning how to make dreams reality within what can be achieved. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think... I've seen you go through those lessons and it's patience, and I've got such grander thoughts that don't always can't always happen. They're not always realistic, but I've got so yeah. much right now, and I feel so lucky to have everything. That oh, I've absolutely! Got. And it Max. starts there with that dream. What about you, Max? What were just dreams like for you growing up? They were literal, and they were persistent. 
if I had the same dream, if I had the, the same motivation every day, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. If I developed passion for something, I got better. If I wanted to practice something, I would practice. Yeah. It was a very uh, hands-on, very active uh, sort of motivation for me. That's awesome. Does anybody remember kind of a first dream that they achieved as a child or had as a child? I remember wanting to spin pizza. Yeah? When I was really, really little, I wanted to see how to make those big old spins that lasted long and went fast and didn't move anywhere. And you could throw them where you wanted to, hand to hand or up high, down low, under your leg. How did you start that? How did you start practicing? Uh, towels, bar towels. Moist bar towels will spin really well. They kind of have the same dynamics of pizza. If they're square, they go great, great. Uh, and then I worked at multiple pizza, high volume pizza places. Why not Little Caesars, uh, La Pizzeria, uh, almost authentic Greek cuisine. Made a lot of pizza. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. A lot, of pizza. a lot of pizza and a lot of practice. I think for me. Eat at Joe's Pizza and Wings. I think for me, the one of the very first things I remember as a little girl, like wanting to be able to do was dance things. Like, I wanted to be able to have my splits or do a perfect turn or, you know, be able to kick my leg really high. And so they were they were these physical feats that I wanted to achieve in dance, and it took a lot of work because your muscles don't just naturally do that. It took conditioning, and part of conditioning means that you're coming back and, and you're failing a lot, but understanding that that failure is part of the conditioning process and that you're actually getting closer to the goal even through all of these little minute things that feel like small failures because I would come on a Monday, still don't have the splits, but I would sit there and stretch. And then I would come on a Tuesday, still don't have the splits, but I would sit there and stretch. And like I would leave every day with the idea of like, gosh, I still don't have it. I still haven't achieved it. But... I learned that really that process is what gets you closer to that final goal. What, about, well what about you, Ryan? What was a first dream that you can remember? Oh, man. My, I had this little John boat that I saved up for when I was cutting grass when I was like 13 years old, so I'd be cutting grass and saving money. And then I got this little John boat that I rode around for a year, and it, like, being in the neighborhood that backed up to the water, so, like, I could put the aluminum John boat on a Red Rider wagon and take it down to the water and launch it and then row around by myself. And I was like young dreaming. And then I'd just see nature and be out there on the water. It was so peaceful and calm. And the next year I saved up from cutting grass and bought a motor. And then had like mobility. And it was incredible. To all the dreams that when a boat, 15 year old kid has a boat and I don't. I was dreaming around sailing around the world at that point. Never sailed and didn't sail until after college for the first time. I think it's interesting when you talk about dreams because when I talk about dreams, I talk very specific. Like I'm like, I wanted to achieve this dance move, and you know, he wanted to achieve twirling a pizza. But when I hear Ryan talk about dreams, and think this captures a part of his personality that I, I love, is that he dreams in like in like lifestyles. So it's not necessarily a specific thing. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I wanted to make my John boat go faster by 50 miles per hour with this motor that I was designing. It was just that he wanted to be out on the water, and he wanted to be exploring. And, and I, like, I like that 
the dreams can have both of those things. It can have like a goal-oriented dream or it can have like a environmental feel to it. Um, and that being said, for you, what started as like that environmental feel that you wanted, that lifestyle you wanted to achieve, that has led into years of actionable goals to get you there. And so, what did it take to make C's life happen? So, Max, I'm going to come back to you. When you first saw C's life, you walk up to the boat the first time. Tell me about that experience. Oh, I said, that thing is huge. It was the biggest boat in the marina. Poor thing was on blocks. Poor it was thing. enormous. You could walk underneath it without hitting your head. And there was this big trampoline you could stand underneath and... All these portholes and a ladder on the on the back and blue and white, big blue and white, you know, paint and gouges, you know, where the fiberglass is being worked on. And yeah. It was a mass. It was really tall. And getting on the boat was a bit of a struggle. You had like a big uh, block to step on to get onto the ladder, and you go up and maneuver around here. And you're getting on and off the boat all day working on it. It's uh, it's tedious. I just thought it was big, big. It was huge. Yeah, it was. That's a, you hear that sizzle? That's Ryan cooking dinner in the background. It's Sorry, we're a little late on this. Delicious. <laughs> it's going to be delicious. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge boat. But what did you think when you first walked up to it and saw all the work? What did you think, Max? I thought uh, I got to stay calm, I got to stay composed because this was going to be a lot of work. Uh, and if you start freaking out, it's not going to ever get done. So uh, I need to know. I, I asked Ryan for very clear instructions. Uh, I told him what I was capable of, and if he needed what he needed, he, he could ask me. Uh, I thought uh, I thought we better get organized and get this shit done. I thought this was a mission to be accomplished. Yeah. Very possible mission. I mean, nothing's impossible, especially something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, Ryan, what about you? What did you think when you first started that first day when you were like, all right, this boat is mine, and now I have to do projects? And I have to figure out all the things that I chose not to get a survey for. Talk them into that price so that I could go in without... Um, you know, it often gets overwhelming if you look at the big picture of everything. So I just started making lists and trying to prioritize to stop the leaking first to make it not sink, to try to get things structurally intact, and then we needed some like electrical stuff working, and lights, and then plumbing, and just one yeah. thing led to the next, and before I could finish one project, I had parts ordered for three more, and just kind of, Max was inspirational in helping me complete projects. And, you know, there'd be days where I'd be going solo in Cape Charles, and trying to get supplies set up and then had him and I, we, we did like the work of five people if it was just me solo at my pace just his drive and tenacity and everything that he motivated me for was great to have him out there can't say that enough man I really appreciate you mm -hmm. and dreams are always so I don't know the work behind a dream is, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And I can tell you, like, one of my stories that, that I have when I went out there 
to help Ryan uh, on the boat, I went out there and he was doing Splash Zone. So what is Splash Zone? Good God, girl. Splash Zone is a Pettit product. There's a part A and part B. You put them together. It cures underwater. It is harder than fiberglass. It makes holes into not holes anymore. <laughs> yes, but it gets like really, really hard really fast. So I was over there and I was helping him do splash zone underneath of the boat. And you have to use this flat edge to make sure it's nice and smooth. And um, so I come You're out from underneath of the finisher. come out from underneath of the boat, and I'm standing there, and and Ryan goes, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And I thought something was wrong with C's life. And I was like, what, what did I do? Like, what's happened? And he's like, you have splash zone in your hair. And what it had, what happened after that, Ryan? I thought the best thing to do was just cut it out right there. And it was a large chunk of hair. and Large chunk, like 12 inches. Hair. I didn't know that there might be an alternative way. So I thought that... If you left it in there in its current state, it might get more hair, and then you're possibly going to be bald on the left half side of your head. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want that for you. So I thought the lesser of two evils was it's already yeah. there, it's hardened up, you didn't see it. Let's get rid of it. And mm -hmm. come to find out, maybe there's another way. Which we found out afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so he cut out this, a what piece of my hair. The hair? Right, so as far as I'm concerned, the hair, like, you know, he cuts this piece of hair, it falls to the ground, and I'm just like, no! Because then now I have this little, like, piece of hair that just sticks out, and I can't bobby pin it or anything. It just does its own thing. But I didn't know that my sweet boyfriend, who knew I was very upset about my hair that had fallen like to the ground. tragic loss that... I think they had names, each strand. No, uh, that's ridiculous. But, you know, he secretly, as I walked away from the hair moving on in life, he went and collected the strand of hair off of the ground, and he made me an epoxy heart of my little, of my hair. And so he epoxied it, and now it's this, like, permanently shaped little heart of my hair that fell, that he had to cut out because C's life got some epoxy in my hair. So, but I, I tell that story to say that while you're working towards these dreams, that sometimes it doesn't always go the way that you want it to go, or it doesn't always, it's not always comfortable. So, what advice do you guys have for people that are working on a dream right now and they're in that time where like they're physically getting injured or they're physically exhausted and they're emotionally drained? What is your advice? Eat healthy, get some sleep, and get a support system. Keep focus. Don't give up. Tenacity. I mean, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and to listen to all the negative, you know, it's such a big project or... How are you ever going to do this or I don't have the manpower, or, you know, but just keep focused one day at a time. Do all you can do and that's all you can do. Assess the viability. You, you know, like you want to make sure you're not on a fool's errand. Right. True. Right. And I think also pace yourself. Rest when you need to rest. Work when you can work. Write things down so that you know where you are on the journey. Come on, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. 
and just know like what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to go with it and, and what you can achieve feasibly in a day, right? You have to eat, you have to drink water, you have to rest. Like you, you know, sometimes you guys were out there when it was freezing cold. Sometimes you were out there when it was raining. I mean, you guys, the dedication was certainly there and being able to say like, we have to call it like today is a, is a day, you know, like that's not, that's not something that's easy. Well, to you guys, what does it mean to seize life when it comes to goals? I want to work on a boat. And I saw an opportunity and I seized it. And look at that. I mean, I had the work cut out for me. Yeah. Everything needed to be worked on and everything was. Yeah. But Max, like, you are a stranger to me. And not only while he was working with Ryan, like, I just kept hearing about this Max guy, this Max guy, this Max guy, Max, Max, Max. That's how you meet new people. Right. And then, finally, like, I start hanging out with Max. And so part of, I think, this whole experience of, you know, tackling C's life, I mean, for me, has been also a whole different set of goals, which we'll, I'll talk about. Um, but meeting Max and seeing, you know, the friendship that they developed and then being able to develop my own friendship with Max and be able to, like, learn him as a human being and his heart and soul and, like, all of that has been really cool. It's been really cool to see. You have a big heart, Max. You do have a big heart, Max. Yeah. This is a big one. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? What is what has C's life taught you about dreams? It continues to teach me patience with regards to dreams and how to enjoy the moment that you're in throughout all the work of the dream because that's that's where you are. You never know when tomorrow's gonna not be here. So today is the day, and even though we haven't left the dock yet, we're still living the dream. Mm -hmm. Just gonna keep perfecting it in many new ways as the future comes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Sea's life has pulled every single one of us out of our comfort zone. So. That's my next question. How has Sia's life pulled you out of your comfort zone, and what was that like? It was conflicting, to say the least. <laughs> How so? Without going into too much detail, it was uh, an opportunity to mitigate some emotions between two new friends of mine. <laughs> And a great mitigator you are. You are else. a great mitigator. But no, I mean for your comfort zone. Like what what did it pull you out of? It pulled me out of boredom. What are you talking about comfort zone? I, I... Max, you had a great background in working on engines and being hands-on electrically. Doing general fabrication. Beyond my knowledge. He's taught me so much along the way just about megahertz and waves and I didn't uh, like not having my car in Cape Charles but uh, 
I got over that pretty quickly. You know, I had a reliable tra I had a, had a reliable ride, but I wanted to make the drive. So it's it's weird not to be to be that far away. Okay. Car. And what did, what did that teach you? You know, trusted other people. Oh. Trusted this guy to get me home. We needed to get home. He always did. I was never late for work. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if I was late, it'd be, it could be on me if I had my car. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, That's a good point. Now I'm dragging somebody a good else point. into this equation. Yeah, I was thinking just your car is super fly, and you just wanted to ride me for, like, get the, the ladies. ladies to watch it. But now I see that it's another transportation to get you to your obligations. That Sorry to be judgmental. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? How did working on C's life and trying to achieve this goal, how did it take you out of your comfort zone and what have you learned from it? Oh, man. I don't think I've known how to do anything that I've done on this until it breaks and you learn how to try to fix it. So I'm not anywhere close to being an expert in any field of electrical engineering or fiberglass repair or plumbing and all the customizations on a boat. I guess the boat's put together from the hull that's a blank and everything comes in customized and different people and different products. And So our boat is a French boat and the electrical wiring is all different. So um, yeah. it's been a learning experience to say the least. I'm not anywhere near complete of my learning and just trying to document as many things as we can along the way so that we can make that learning curve in the future a little bit shorter. One thing that I have definitely seen, like when you are definitely outside of your comfort zone, learning about, I don't something like, yeah, like the electrical work or a diesel engine or, you know, something that these people are, are expertise, like that's their master, that's their life work, they learn that. And I love that when you're outside of your comfort zone, you're not afraid to say, teach me. I love it. I love being outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, you're not afraid to look at these experts and say, teach me, I want to learn. And you're, you've you been right there the whole time. Or you'll say, I have no idea. Inform me. Like, let me know what it is or what's wrong. And, and I, I've absolutely loved seeing that about you through this process. Thanks. Don't consider it humbleness. Just consider it stupidity. And I had no other option of how to handle the situation besides... <laughs> Gotta fix this thing. Nah, I'm just... But that's humbleness. It's it's a good a personality trait that I love. Thanks, babe. For me. What about you, babe? Uh, I was outside of my comfort zone a hundred percent of the time throughout this. <laughs> you know, one he bought the boat before he even asked me to be his girlfriend. So it's like I had to find my place in all of this so as Max said you know he was kind of there he got tossed in and he was mitigating feelings between us that's because we were still learning us there's no hard well, feelings meant to ever buying the boat before you babe I just thought that maybe you'd have this control that you have now a man early on in the relationship and there'd be a chance that I wouldn't be able to have this boat and no. do what we're doing now <laughs> of course not but yeah, we were still learning us, and then it and then it it brings up the topic of, well, two things for me. Like one, who am I in in this dream, and then two, how can I be a partner that supports a partner that has such a vivid dream and is in like the depths of making it happen. 
I was a new girlfriend when he bought this boat to him. So not only was I trying to learn this guy that I was dating now, I mean, I didn't know how he reacted to stress. I didn't know how he reacted to projects or how he treated goals or how he treated anything. I didn't know any of this. So while I was trying to learn all of that and trying to be supportive, that was outside of my comfort zone because I don't, I can't say, none of us are perfect at love. None of us are perfect at support of dreams and we try. Yeah. I think you know? you've come a long way. You really have. In the beginning, you know, it was tough. It was tough. It was tough because in the beginning, this was not my dream. No. And, and you've done such a remarkable, notably incredible way of adopting this as your dream for you and for all the things yeah. that you want out of life. Not just because of I wanted to go sailing. Right. You've done remarkable things Thank to reach you. out and because that wasn't easy. I mean, this that has not been easy. Like, you know, I, this was his dream. He put it into action before he even asked me to be his girlfriend. And well, like 10 years then, before. Right, not, exactly. Not like a decade before. And so that was overwhelming, you know, to me. And, and it, it just made me ask myself questions. Like, what does it mean to dream? What does it mean to be a supporter of a dream? What does it mean to be a partner in this dream? What does it mean to be myself in this dream? Um, I, and those are deep, hard questions and all of which could have any answer, you know? You never really, you never know what that is going to look like or result in. It's true. Yeah. You've done an incredible job. I'm really impressed. Oh, Reached thanks. out to so many different people and gotten other people to teach you things yeah. that have been much more... Support systems. So let's talk about those. So, you know, Max, growing up, you had some dreams. Who was your support system, and how did they support you? The people I spent the time with the most, my time with the most. You know, the closer friends, the immediate family members, uh, educators, instructors, you know, you ping-pong ideas, you know, you tell them ideas, you get their feedback, and you do that for long enough, and you develop different ideas, or you develop ways to accomplish those goals. It's very so dry. True. It's yeah. pretty dry. So true. And we've Love that. that Love that. All the projects that we've done, we've bounced them off of four different people. Yeah. A grain of salt in each one, because you're the one that's Makes progress. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? your support system and, and how they supported you or what you felt you needed? I've always been a dreamer. I've always kind of, like in college, I woke up one morning and I was like, I want to build a little quarter pipe in the backyard. And I went to the new construction site and I was talking to the guys and I don't know how, but I got so lucky and the guy was like, go take 20 sheets of the fresh stuff and make something cool. And I've been looking at plans the night before of like big half pipes and I knew exactly what to grab and man we had a half pack in our backyard college I, I, man I, I don't know but who's how, yeah your support so, so clearly those construction guys hooked it up that was part of your support system but very lucky in life to be able so to is it luck or is it support systems like well, people self-reliance and... right there you support yourself I feel very fortunate that I can get so lucky and I'll just take it as luck sometimes most of the time Thanks. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I, I think that you're lucky, but you're maybe attributing that to the wrong thing. Like, I think people have been put into your life, like amazing people like Max have come into your life and that construction guy who didn't have to give you that wood to make that half pipe and people like your mom and your sister and your girlfriend and <laughs> people, you know, that have been there with you. I don't, Absolutely. that's not luck. That's not luck. No question. I've had an incredible support system throughout my entire upraising in life and I can't be more appreciative for that and that's taught me to look at life as the cup is half full and to always continue to be happy and dream if you can. Yeah. I think that's helped me be in situations that I can spark better happy thoughts. That's awesome. For me... How about you, babe? For me, um, I would say definitely my family, definitely my friends, definitely, as you say, educators that have really enlightened a pathway for me. You know, that that just doesn't... Finding the right people, finding your tribe, like finding those people that are going to say when you're feeling really low on your dream or you're feeling really beat down by your dream, having somebody say, like, where are you? Cool. Let's. What's the next step? How can I help you? What do you need? Do you need a clean shower? Do you need a fresh meal? Do you just need to go out and drink wine together? You know, having those people that were there for me when I needed them to be there. And I always say, I'm like, those are the kind of people that when I call them, they pick up their cell phones. Or, you know, when I text them, they'll answer me back. And they those kind of people, like, those are really your foundation people that really just lift you up and help help you on this dream as uplifters because that leads to the next point that I immediately think of is the naysayers. No, absolutely, and I, I think of the uplifting first, that I've got such an incredible support system that continues to feed my wacky, sometimes outside-of-the-box dreams to think yeah. that, encourage them in every moment. And it's friends, it's family, it's people you meet in life. That yeah, and there's, it's the relationships that you foster. So, you know, I don't think it's like people just randomly, you know, appear and then just keep on giving to you. Like, that's that's kind of not... I think it's the time that you take to really flourish and, like relish that relationship, that chance that you have with someone to really like make this dream happen and understand what it takes, I think is really, really special. And, um, it, that's a team, that's teamwork right there. I think, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy when you start feeling down about your dream. So what advice would you have Max for somebody that's feeling down about their dream? What would you say to them? I would start by writing, writing it down, uh, write, reaffirming things, affirming things, you know, reorganize your outline, just immerse yourself in it as much as you can, a little reorganization here, a spark of an idea there, suddenly you're re-inspired. I like that. I feel like setting realistic goals that might not be your end dream, but just daily dreams or weekly dreams and how to become that maker that you can be. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think I would tell people to 
reach out when they need help and keep on trucking. I think there's there's something to grit, right? There's something to that grit of waking up every day and knowing that the work needs to be done and that, you know, you can do it, but, you know, it may not be easy and just keep on making that happen, I think is really hard to do sometimes, but you can easily do it. Um, I was listening to this other podcast and there was a quote that, um, really stuck out to me that said, you know, the Shakespeare quote, to be or not to be, that is the question. And, you know, that's something that we always say. It's something that we always play with, like, oh, Shakespeare, to be or not to be. But this this quote was actually saying that that's not the question. The question is actually how to be and how not to be. Hmm. And, you know, when I think about that and how that applies to your approach to a dream, you know, how do you need to be to make a dream happen? What would you, what would your answers be? How do you need positive. to be? And honest, positive and honest, honestly positive. If you're deluding yourself at all, you're going to have problems. If you're doing it for the wrong reason, you're going to have problems. Yeah. Uh, if you're honest with yourself and you follow your dreams. Um, Honesty, I love that. Uh, it only makes sense that the proper motivation and ideas will come. If, you, if it's really what you want, you'll find a way. What about you, Ryan? How do you need to be to make your dream happen? I think there's always sacrifices that you have to make. Like, in, I couldn't go hang out and spend a bunch of money at the bar every night. I just chose to entertain myself in other ways that were fulfilling enough to be able to satisfy my time, but didn't cost a whole lot of money, so I could try to save money. Right? A lot of opportunities. Yeah. Babe, I'm sorry I haven't given you all those nice dinners I promised you. <laughs> <laughs> we eat a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we cook a lot. We... No, we cook a lot. We have a delicious meal that Ryan just finished right in front That's of me right wonderful. now. wonderful. Um, and by the way, the guy who said that quote is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. And I love that quote because, you know, how to be. Like, I, I think you need, I think you're right. I think you need to be positive. I think you need to be organized. I think you need to be realistic. I think you need to be um, a friend to yourself. I think you need to be forgiving. So maybe you had a goal for a specific day and you didn't reach that goal for that specific day. But that's okay. Like, forgive yourself. Be kind to yourself. I think that you need to give yourself credit when you nail it. You know, say, congratulations, self, you're awesome. And kind of treat yourself when you do a good job. And that way, you know, you keep going. And and how not to be? What's the way, what's not to do, Max? That's what I have to say. You don't give up. Yeah. You never give up. Persistence, man. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah, you can't quit. Yeah. It's unhealthy. What you do when you quit is you, uh, is you tell your brain it's okay to quit, and even the most basic things you'll start to quit on. It's, yeah. It's infectious. There's days where you gotta you gotta quit. You're just like I, I can't do anything more productive today. That's not quitting. That's, that's not quitting. That's resting. That's preparing yourself to be more that's effective true. in the future. That's true. If you give up entirely, you know. You just yeah, that's pacing yourself. You fill up dinghies with foam and you hang them in your trees. <laughs> like that's giving up. 
True. Quitting would be just walking and abandoning the project altogether. And that's something that I, you know, that's you guys never did on C's Life. Yeah. You guys were always, you had multiple projects going all at once, and you were able to follow through with them on each one of them. That was really awesome. So what about, what about you, Ryan? How not to be when you are achieving or going after a dream? I mean, I like Max's. I think yeah, one more thing. Don't be late. Punctuality. Unpack that a little bit. Punctuality, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why is that so important? It demonstrates seriousness, builds good habits, and it goes back to the quitting thing. If I don't have to be punctual, I don't have to be uh, ready, I don't have to be awake, I don't have to be clean, I don't have to be sober. It could be uh, a disaster mm -hmm. if you let something so simple as punctuality go out the window. It'll be anarchy. So I have to tell you, um, I was, when I was in graduate school, I was working at Lululemon, and uh, one of the things that they would always say is, um, you know, if you tell yourself that you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym, but then every morning when 6 a.m. comes, you hit snooze, and you don't go, at some point, you stop believing in yourself. You stop trusting yourself to go after your own goal. You are the one who said you wanted to go to the gym at 6 a.m. every morning. So you set the alarm. But then every morning when you turn that alarm off, you're going to stop trusting yourself to follow through on your own dream. So true. And I love that idea. Like I, that, has, that story has nothing to do with, for me, about the time or whatever. It could be 8 a.m., it could be 9 a.m., 10 p.m., it could be whatever. It's the fact that you set something and that you just snooze it, that you just disable it, that you just push it aside. Bad habit. Yeah, and that's not, it's not good for something when you're trying to achieve a goal, right? It's not creating a pattern of behavior that's like, really healthy what what about you Ryan so you were saying that you agree with uh, Max on what who not to be when you're trying to achieve a goal so any other things that you can think of yeah I just could con I recollect my mind going in a thousand different ways and having like a huge list that I just made and then thinking somewhat I need to spend my time getting every project on that list. And then I would just stop myself and say, that's not productive at this point. Like, reassessing what you're doing daily to help your weekly goals to go with your monthly goals is necessary. I feel like the writing things down is crucial, but there comes a point where it isn't being as productive to visually, spatially, but just little things in time, put like two minutes into this or 10 minutes into this, and then that's a little bit more done or that's a little bit more done, and then you can figure out another part that you might need for this to make it fully done. Um, so are you saying that who not to be would be somebody that puts too much on the plate all at once, or? I feel like my biggest bad quality that came from that was the so you remember sometimes you'd come over here and the boat would just be a wreck and I'd be running one project to the other and I had too much stuff yeah. going on at once. And because they were all in the forefront of my mind, because I saw them because they were half done and I was waiting on parts for each one, the thought process that I've got to come in and could do those ten things at once kind of overwhelms. Whereas I could have just gotten one done one day, one done another day. Gotcha, that yeah. That was really 
it's putting too much on your plate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that kind of reminds me of like, how do you eat an elephant? So one bite at a time. One bite at a time. So maybe like, don't overload yourself so that you have that clarity to be able to move through each project. That's awesome. But I knew I was overloaded right before I got it. I knew that. If I envisioned it all at once, it would just be daunting and I wouldn't. Yeah, but you also went through each day and had like very specific things you were going to cover on each day. Like I remember you waking up and being like, today I'm going to look at, uh, yeah. you know, the engine room. Today I'm going to recock the windows. Today I'm going to, you had very specific small things, which was really good. So we think, you know, don't overload yourself. Don't put too much on your plate. I think for me, who not to be? Hmm. When you're achieving a goal. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't. Don't let your inner critic in your mind convince you that you're wrong. Nice. You know, keep believing that the dream is going to happen. It might look different than how you originally perceived it. It will, for sure. You know, it will. That's life. Like, your dream may look different. For me, dance does not look the way I thought it was going to look. I intended on being a classical ballerina on, you know, in the New York City Ballet or something like that. You know, something on stage being a full-time ballerina. But for me, I started a blog about dance and then I wrote for Answers.com about dance. And so I still had dance as a very part, a very integral part of my life. But it was not what I originally wanted. It was not what I originally worked so physically hard for. But uh, just telling that inner critic in your head that... That, that imposter syndrome, that voice that tells you, you're not good enough, you shouldn't be here, you don't know what you're doing, you cannot do this, this is too much money, you are not a big enough person to do this, you cannot achieve it, all of those things that you hear in your head, shut it down. Well, guys, I must, uh, Max, Max right now I'm abdicating from the rest of this podcast. Has Bye, got everybody. To run. Bye, guys, it was you're a pleasure. pleasure. Oh, You're an amazing you. character, Max a million. We love you. Oh, yes, take your dinner. Goodbye, Max a million. All right, so guys, thank you so much. Since we're losing Max, we you can't go. I mean, like Max, you gotta have Max. So we're gonna shut this down for tonight, but thank you also because I have a delicious sandwich that Ryan made me that I am trying, that I am trying to dig into immediately. So we love you guys, but I'm gonna eat this sandwich. Thank you guys for being here and discussing dreams with us. It's hard. It's hard. Dreams are hard, but they're also lovely and beautiful and wonderful, and they are what make your life. So live bold, dream bold, work bold. And we will talk and seize life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, guys. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. The Seize Life podcast is brought to you by Sheena and Ryan, as well as our friends and family who support our ongoing adventures. If you are a business and would like to advertise with Seize Life, visit our website, www.seizelifeforgood.com, or send us an email, seizelifeforgood at gmail.com. We love to find new ways to partner and work with you and uplift the ways that you are being amazing in your community. Until next time, cowabunga and stay safe out there, folks. Bye.